It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, presented as always, by the way, by betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts just use that promo code podcast one to get a 50% sign up bonus today. It is week 12 in the NFL. And even just saying that is insane. Insane, I tell you. But here we are, Evan, week 12, and we are coming down to crunch time in fantasy football leagues across the galaxy. Huge win for me Monday night. Thanks to Brandon Cooks, I was going against Hooked on a Thielen in the Fantasy Feast Redraft League, and he was 9-1. and one. I was 7-3. and three. That was a big win for the good guys to get me to 8-3. and Got to make the playoffs in our 16-team league. Absolutely love that league and where it's at right now. Love every morsel of information that you drop, Evan. If you haven't already, check out Evan on social media. He's at Evan Silva on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And by the way, if you're looking for a little boost, if you're looking for the same thing you get, from Evan Silva with fantasy information. If you're looking for that in life, try Omax Boost. O M A X B O O S T dot com slash feast. Here's what it is it's two powerhouse ingredients, alpha and omega. You guys have heard all about omega 3s before. You know all about that, right? They combine it with alpha GPC which is the key to faster neurotransmission. Basically, it improves your mind-body connection, and you get to try it basically without any risk because they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. So go to omaxboost.com slash feast. That's omaxboost.com slash feast. Give it a try. And if you're like Evan and you are going to drink way too much tomorrow, go ahead and get the Omax Boost so that Friday morning you feel a little bit better than you would otherwise. Let's roll, Evan. Next meal. All right, Evan, let's start with the Thanksgiving 1230 Bears at the Lions. We're recording this at 9.20 a.m. on Wednesday. Still don't know about Mitch Trubisky's shoulder. I am going to predict that he does not play with them knowing that they get 10 days after this and a short week after playing on Sunday night. So how much would that affect things for the Bears' skill people if it's Chase Daniel instead of Trubisky? Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people say, oh, there's not a big difference between Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel. I mean, then I, I don't think that you've been watching, you know, like football. Um, I mean, first of all, like, you know, and not that's not to say that Mitchell Trubisky is some great quarterback. I think that he's got, you know, a certain level, a certain skill set, and he's in a really good off, a really um, creative, innovative offense that get guys that gets guys open, that throws the football downfield, 
that has good weapons and is coached by, you know, Matt Nagy, who's done a, a wonderful job. And is you know he's usually in positive situations, in comfortable situations. Uh, they've played a lot of weak defenses, and um, and their defense puts them in comfortable situations. Uh, so you know they're they're not asking Mitchell Trubisky to like rally back the team from deficits uh, very often. Um, but the biggest difference is that Mitchell Trubisky is leading the NFL in. Uh, passes thrown 20 plus yards downfield, like by a significant margin. Almost 20% of his passes have gone 20 or more yards in the air. Chase Daniel, in his career, only 5% of his attempts have gone 20 plus yards in the air. Mitchell Trubisky is like a dynamic athlete. Chase Daniel is an okay little scrambler, but you know he's nothing like Mitchell Trubisky as a runner. So there are major differences in their skill sets. Um, I think that that bodes well for Tarek Cohen. And I think that uh, Chase Daniel being under center, we, we're going to see a lot of Tarek Cohen in this game. I think that uh, Matt Nagy's best option, especially because the Lions defense uh, has gotten a lot better against the run since they acquired Damon Harrison, holding opposing running backs under four yards per carry. Before acquiring Damon Harrison, they were allowing almost six yards per carry to opposing running backs. Um, but I think that the best way for Matt Nagy to, to design this game plan is to do a short short pass game plan that gets the ball out of uh, Chase Daniel's hands quickly. Lots of Tarek Cohen. You can go back and look at uh, Chase Daniel in the preseason. Tons of targets to like the Bears' backup running running backs like Taquan Mizell and uh, Ryan Nall and you know guys like that. So um, I think that Tarek Cohen is the play here. Not not as much Jordan Howard. Um, you know, you're going to have to kind of get lucky with Anthony Miller or uh, in Allen Robinson or Taylor Gabriel. All those guys run deep routes in this offense. Their their A dot, their average depth of target, uh, all those guys A dot is above 12 and a half. Tara Cohen's is at four yards. Uh, and Trey Burton is kind of interesting at about seven yards. Um, so that's the way that I'm kind of treating the Bears offense, particularly on the uh, – the, D, the Thanksgiving only DFS slate, which is my favorite day all year to play daily fantasy. Uh, on the on the on the Lions side, you know I, the offense is n- not in good shape. They did win a game last week, but their offense is still you know a, a work in progress, I guess, which is kind of sad after ten games. Matthew Stafford hasn't been good in fantasy all year. Um, you know Theo Riddick and Legarrette Blunt uh, are. And Zach Center are all candidates for backfield work uh, in place of Carrion Johnson. Um, Kenny Galladay is the only really viable pass catcher in Detroit. Uh, you know, TJ Jones not getting any targets, running a lot of routes, but not getting any targets. Uh, Bruce Ellington is mildly interesting. He got nine targets last week, had what, five or six catches. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a very fun offense to, to try to break down. I think that you we're looking at Kenny Galladay and then, you know, you can – and then you're firing darts elsewhere. We can move on to the next one. Next one, Redskins with Colt McCoy, another quarterback situation on Thanksgiving against the suddenly pretty hot Cowboys. 
yeah, I think that the Cowboys should be able to control this game. You know, it's and it's the Redskins lost their quarterback. This is a situation where I don't know if the downgrade is actually that significant. I mean, obviously Alex Smith has won a lot more games than Colt McCoy in the NFL, but, um, you know, in terms of skill set, it's, it's not a whole lot different. And actually, I don't think it should, should surprise anyone if Colt McCoy actually is willing to rip it a little bit more downfield than Alex Smith was. And that could bode well for Jordan Reed. Um, the two guys that I have interest in here for the Redskins, well, I mean, Adrian Peterson is kind of always in play because, hey, if the Redskins keep the game close, you know, Adrian Peterson could end up with a bunch of carries and score some touchdowns. But he's, they're not using him at all in the passing game. And he has, and in their losses, their four losses, he has 12 touches per game. I mean, he's, you know, maybe the most game script dependent running back in the league. Um, but with, uh, in his pass catcher core, Jordan Reed, Against Dallas, you know, Colton McCoy comes in the game last week, his first throw, nine-yard touchdown to Jordan Reed. Alex Smith just was not willing to pull the trigger at all uh, to Jordan Reed on uh, throws outside of, like, flat routes and checkdowns. Flat routes and checkdowns all day for Jordan Reed. And, you know, this guy, this is a guy who can get downfield. So um, I actually think that Colt McCoy might be able to help um, – Jordan Reed, not that Colt McCoy is a big arm passer at all, but you know, just that he will be willing to throw the ball a little bit more downfield. Um, and then the other guy to look at here is uh, Trey Quinn. Uh, Maurice Harris moves outside. Josh Doxson is, you know, he hasn't got to 50 yards all season long. Um, you know, he you need a touchdown or else he's a complete dud. Uh, but Trey Quinn moves into the slot last week, uh, and he runs the third most routes on the team. Number one was Josh Doxson at 43. Number two was Jordan Reed at 38. And then Trey Quinn, 36 routes. So right now he's the number three option in the passing game. Uh, Maurice Harris and is not going to be a you know he's not going to win outside at 195 pounds at you know four, at four running four five six, uh, especially against these stud Cowboys cornerbacks. Uh, they do not give up big plays in the passing game. Trey Quinn, I think, can get open in the slot against Anthony Brown, you know, against zone looks. Uh, Trey Quinn, I thought, was uh, underdrafted. He was the Mr. Irrelevant in this year's draft. But you know, he had 114 catches, uh, profiles very similar to Cooper Cup. He was kind of like the Wes Welker to uh, Cortland Sutton's Randy Moss at SMU. You know, uh, Cortland Sutton was the was the outside receiver. Trey Quinn was the inside receiver. Uh, and I, he, he matches up pretty well with Colt McCoy's skill set, too. So he's a cheap guy to think about uh, in the, on the Thanksgiving Day tournament, uh, on the Thanksgiving Day DFS slate. Uh, on the other side, Zeke, I mean, this is – it's bombs away for Zeke. You know, the, the Redskins gave – the Redskins had a, about a, a month-long blip where they played really good run defense. And in the three games since then, allowing 5.2 yards per carry to opposing running backs, getting eaten up in the passing game as well by running backs. Uh, the, I think the Cowboys control this game. This is the, the biggest concern for the for the Redskins offense, really, is that just that they're not going to have the ball in the game. And the Cowboys are going to control the ball in all likelihood. Uh, their, run, their run blocking is kicking butt. And... You know, they can play this 
slow the game down, keep away Cowboys style uh, that really limits the opponent's uh, offensive plays. Like last week, you know, they did this to Atlanta, and uh, Atlanta runs 65 plays per game. They only ran 55 last week. So you're taking away 10 plays over the course of a game from a team. That's really going to hurt in fantasy. I mean, Matt Ryan did not play, you know, spectacularly poorly by any means last week, but uh, he was never going to have a, a good fantasy game in, in a game like, you know, in a game where the Cowboys just control it. Uh, and that's that's a big concern for all the Redskins. Um, you know, in the pass catcher court, it's going to be Amari Cooper against Josh Norman. Not an ideal matchup. Uh, Amari Cooper was quiet last week in large part because Zeke just did everything. Zeke just handled everything last week. Um, Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup, you know, these complimentary pass catchers don't have a a whole lot of interest in them. Uh, And then tight end Jeff Swaim is out, and that leaves Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, and Rico Gathers at tight end. So, you know, get your popcorn ready. We can move on to the next one. Okay, it's the night game, Thursday night. I will be there, Evan. Falcons at the Saints in the Superdome. Yeah, fire the cannons. You know, this is the this is the highest total game on the week. Um, mentioned last week how games totaled at 57.5 or more. Uh, have Like every single one has gone over. I think it's a 12-game sample. Every single one has gone over. Uh, over the last 12, I mean, we saw the Chiefs Rams was, you know, was valued up there and it went way over. Like there was a a minute there where I thought it might double the total. I mean, it was absurd. I mean, even the defenses were, were getting it, were getting involved, which by the way is, is another uh, point that Jonathan Bales has made um, that, Hey, you know, if you can't find a, a streamer defense in a great situation, like, at home favored against a bad offense, which is always the optimal way to um, you know, to, to uh, start fantasy defenses. Take a shot on a team in a high-scoring game. Um, you know, just a lot more action happens in those games. We saw really both defenses hit in that Chiefs-Rams game last week. Uh, you know, it doesn't like the points allowed doesn't matter. Don't don't get don't get worried about the points allowed. You want turnovers, you want sacks, you want chances at pick sixes and, and fumble recoveries for scores. And we saw both defenses in that game uh, score touchdowns. Rams scored twice. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. Uh, I think that if we're just looking at defenses on the Thanksgiving-only slate, it, it is going to be, uh, number one, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are in the best situation. But then... The second best bet is going to be the Saints, who are cheaper on DFS sites. Number one, super super cheap, uh, and they you know fit the criteria of being in that high scoring game. And also, they're going to be on the. I think they're going to be on the winning end of that. Uh, so the other team is going to be playing with more urgency and more mistake prone. Um, as for you know the guys in the actual game, I mean, you know. I think Sean Payton is trying to get Drew Brees the MVP, uh, as he should. Drew Brees never won an MVP. Uh, Mark Ingram has been sensational in blowout games. Uh, he has not been good in the games where the where teams have kept the game close against the Saints, but he's been great in the blowout games. You know, 
uh, that Monday night game against Washington uh, at Cincinnati where they won like 51 to 14. Uh, and then last week where they just dismantled the Eagles. Mark Ingram has been good in all those games. So, hey, if you think that they're going to blow out the Falcons, which they very well may. I mean, they're favored by almost two touchdowns. Mark Ingram, uh, really strong play. Alvin Kamara, of course. Falcons give up almost nine catches per game to opposing running backs. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think, is the best wide receiver play on the week or on the Thanksgiving slate. Julio Jones, number two. But Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas, number one. Uh, Traquan Smith, you know, he didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday. That does not bode well. But, hey, if he returns, and we're recording this on Wednesday morning, if he returns on Wednesday, I think he'll probably play. Uh, but, you know, he was he was one of our guys last week, and he, he really, really delivered. And I was happy to see a lot of people won a lot of money uh, because of Traquan Smith. Uh, and this is another great situation. You know, we talked about how Ted Ginn, his predecessor, uh, had the, the strong home road splits. Traquan Smith has been good in every home game and bad in every road game. Uh, so if he plays here, you know, again, you, you want to fire him uh, against Atlanta in this super, super high total game. Um, uh, uh, you know, if he doesn't play, guys to think about Keith Kirkwood, uh, Austin Carr, maybe Brandon Marshall. The tight ends are really guys to avoid. Ben Watson, you know, he, he's not even running routes anymore. Uh, Dan Arnold gets a few routes every game. And then uh, Josh Hill is out there a lot, but they don't really throw to him. Uh, so, you know, not, not a great situation for fantasy. Uh, Matt Ryan is kind of like a, a contrarian play. Hey, he, he is very capable of having big games. The Saints defense is really tightened up, though. Really, really tightened up. Uh, and so that's a concern for Atlanta. You know, you kind of know the deal with Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith. Tevin Coleman's the lead back. Edo Smith, the change of pace. I uh, do expect to see Marshawn Lattimore shadow um, Julio Jones in this game. Uh, and then uh, and Calvin Ridley can get some good matchups, I think, against Eli Apple, who we've not seen tested since that Rams game where he gave up almost 150 yards and a touchdown. We have not really seen teams go at him uh, over the last couple of weeks, and that could change this week. Saints are incredible against tight ends. That's a concern for Austin Hooper. They were the, they're the only team all year to have eliminated uh, Zach Ertz. And you go back and look at Austin Hooper's history against the Saints, just just bad. Mohamed Sanu is real, real interesting here as a Thanksgiving DFS play uh, against P.J. Williams in the slot. And um, he's real cheap, and the, the Falcons are going to have to throw the ball to score. So I think that Mohamed Sanu can pop up for a good game. We can move on to the 1 p.m.s. All right. Let's get to Oakland, which got a win at Baltimore, where Lamar Jackson carried the football 27 times. Now, I guess a few were kneel downs, but still, I've never seen that before. Yeah, and I don't think we can count on 27 rushing attempts, but I definitely think that we can count on double-digit rushing attempts. Um, I think that they're going to try to run this offense very similarly how, to how the Redskins did uh, with RG3 and Alfred Morris. 
Um, Gus Edwards is kind of similar to Alfred Morris in that, you know, was not highly thought of out of college, you know, kind of that big grinder back, not probably going to play, you know, very much in the passing game. Um, but he's going to run downhill. Alex Collins just dancing too much, you know, just, just dancing too much and leaving yards on the field. Gus Edwards is going to take what the defense gives him. Uh, and I think that he's in the mix as, you know, kind of a, a high upside, but still kind of risky uh, RB2 slash flex play uh, against the Raiders. The matchup just could not get any better. I, I, gra- I grabbed Lamar Jackson in every league um, uh, when we, we found out uh, news that Joe Flacco was going to uh, potentially miss time. Uh, didn't start him everywhere. He only started him in a few spots last week, but he was a top. Uh, he was the number 13 fantasy quarterback on the week in week 11. Uh, and now I think that he has top five upside against the Raiders. Raiders have the slowest defense in the NFL. Uh, they are coming off this this road game win, uh, traveling across the country to Baltimore for a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. Uh, I think that we see Lamar Jackson just roll up on the Raiders. Not a good matchup at all uh, for the Raiders. Uh, s- slowest defense in the league. Lamar Jackson, fastest quarterback in the league. Um, so, I'm starting Lamar Jackson everywhere. I'm actually I'm starting him over Tom Brady uh, this week in a bunch of leagues. Um, at uh, wide receiver, you know you're you're not going to be able to use these guys. You know we we talked about this last week. I mean maybe one guy will catch a shot play, you know at some point, but it's really hard to hang your hat on. Their their targets are going to go way down. Are uh, they're already in the gutter um, and. You know, no, I'm not trying to get cute with Willie Sneed. I know he had eight targets last week, but, you know, still like 51 yards on those eight targets. This is going to be a run-the-ball team, um, and it's going to be Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards' show, and maybe we'll see Alex Collins pack, uh, pick it back up this week. But I think that Gus Edwards is – he kind of kind of established himself as the, the lead back last week. Um, on the Raiders' side, you know – Still don't want any part of them. They're messing around with Doug Martin now. Uh, you know, Gruden saying that he wants to get DeAndre Washington more carries, uh, comparing Jalen Richard to Charlie Garner. You know, um, Jared Cook caught a first drive touchdown last week and then got eight yards the rest of the game. Brandon LaFell tears his Achilles. You know, I mean, we could go through all the different guys in – in the in the Raiders pass catcher core now, uh, but you know none of them are, are worthwhile plays, especially at Baltimore in a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. We can move on to the next one. Next game, Jacksonville and that offense against the Bills, who supposedly will get Josh Allen back. Yeah, I, I have not looked at this game yet. Uh, first of all, it's not a fun one. Uh, but but also I, I don't I don't know exactly about the quarterback situation. Uh, so you know really low total I know that. Um, you know I, I I don't know what to say. I mean play the defenses. You know we can move on to the next one. <laughs> okay. How about uh, not no Fournette no Shady McCoy nobody. Yeah, I mean, you could play uh, uh, those guys for, like, volume. Neither of them has a particularly good matchup. But, yeah, I mean, you know, 
there, there's nothing really, you know, exceptional to say about those guys. They, they, if they get volume, they can eat. Seattle, where they don't really give volume, it seems like they slice it up pretty good. At Carolina, coming off a disappointing performance for the Panthers in Detroit. Yeah, I kind of like this game. I think that this game uh, could be a shootout. Um, let's start with Seattle's side uh, because their offense has really started to come to life. Uh, it is frustrating in the backfield, the situation, but um, you know, I think that we actually have defined roles now tentatively. Uh, Chris Carson is going to be the lead back, okay? and he's like the early down grinder, and we can count on him for probably – 14 to 18 carries per game. Uh, Rashad Penny is going to be the change of pace back. Uh, and, you know, hey, he's provided them big plays recently. He's got a 30-plus yard, yard run in back-to-back games. Uh, I mean, he's not really, you know, much of a fantasy option in that role. But I think that, you know, it, it, at least we can kind of put our finger on how many, touch, how many touches that's going to lead to on a weekly basis. And I think we, we can pencil him in for 8 to 12 touches per game. Uh, and then Mike Davis is going to be the third down back. Uh, I mean, he has dominated targets and receptions in the backfield. Uh, and he's in the mix as like a low-end PPR flex option. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of there, – there you have it for the backfield. And Chris Carson, clearly the best play, but he's going to be a little touchdown dependent. You know, he's got actually fewer targets than Rashad Penny on the season. Uh, so that's just kind of what we know right now about the Seattle backfield. Of course, next week it'll you know we'll, we'll probably have a totally different opinion of everything, but uh, that's kind of the, the way to approach it. That's what the what the beat writers have been talking up. Um, Russell Wilson, I think, can have a big game here. Uh, the Panthers have given up multiple touchdown passes in nine straight games. Uh, they do not rush the passer at all. I mean, the Lions, pass, the Lions pass protection had just fallen apart. Um, you know, in, in their previous two games, they faced Carolina last week. Matthew Stafford took one hit all game. He took 17 combined hits the previous two games. Uh, I'm sorry, more than that, 24 hits and 17 sacks. Or 24 hits and 16 sacks over his previous two games. He faces Carolina one hit all game. Uh, and their pass rush has been bad all season. Uh, they, and they've started and they've blitzed a ton. I mean, they're top five in the NFL in blitz rate. Guess who has the best passer rating in the NFL against the bliss blitz Russell Wilson. So, um, I, I really like the way that this game sets up for Russ. Uh, he has started to run more, uh, over the last three games. Didn't see a whole lot out of, out of him from against green Bay, but the previous two games he was running a lot. So, at least that's back in his toolbox, and that can raise his floor and raise his ceiling. I think that if you're going to play Russell Wilson in Daily Fantasy, you play him with Doug Baldwin. Panthers have been terrible in the slot. Baldwin saying now he feels 100% coming off a seven-catch game, 10 targets. He's still just a wide receiver three in season long. But, you know, hey, when he's producing, you can feel a lot better about him, and the Panthers have been really bad uh, against slot receivers David Moore his targets are way up his you know his his production is not is down but his targets are way up he's got a seven target game and an eight target game within the last three weeks uh, and he has the most air yards on the team during that span so 
you know, I, he he's going to have like positive variance is going to flip in his favor pretty soon as long as he keeps getting that work and every reason to believe that he will. He's a wide receiver four. You know, he's um, he's really risky, but he's going to have a big game. And I don't think anyone should be surprised if he has a big game uh, in, in, the, in like as soon as this week. Um, Tyler Lockett, lower volume guy with big playability, much has been much more efficient, of course, than to, uh, than David Moore. Uh, but you know, you kind of know what you're getting with him. Wide receiver three slash flex, de- dependent on big plays, has scored a touchdown in seven of ten games. Um, that's really more of like a, a stat that's bound for regression than anything. Um, but hey, you know, I'd rather have my go- my guy scoring than not scoring. Um, tight ends, Nick Vanette, Ed Dixon, just they're splitting work right down the middle. Uh, other side, Cam Newton, a uh, little bit concerned about his health. You know, uh, Dr. Chow was saying that Cam Newton uh, suffered a high ankle sprain and an MCL sprain uh, on a play last week, and, you know, he didn't run at all. Uh, he did wind up with a big fantasy game, threw a couple of touchdown passes after the injury. Um, but a little bit concerned about him still starting him, but monitoring practice reports, you know, I'd like to see him get in some full practices this week, just, just from a a feel standpoint, feel more comfortable about him. Christian McCaffrey, I think bounces back quickly. Uh, you know, not, not a big game last week did go over a hundred total yards though. And he's got over a hundred total yards and or a touchdown in four straight games. Uh, Seattle has been giving up a lot of production on the ground recently you know Gurley got him Melvin Gordon got him Aaron Jones was on his way to a big game before the the Packers abandoned the run uh last week uh so Christian McCaffrey feel real good about him bouncing back Devin Funches you know I think that DJ Moore might be overtaking him as the number one receiver and the targets were still there for Devin Funches but DJ Moore is better than, than him um you know he's a higher draft pick uh, he's way more explosive. You know, Devin Funches is a role player in the Panthers offense right now. Uh, and, you know, not, not playing, a, not doing it very well. I mean, a lot of drops in last week's game. Um, you know, as, as, and as, as long as uh, Torrey Smith stays out, uh, DJ Moore, I think, is going to be a, um, a, a high upside wide receiver three play. Curtis Samuel sent set a career high in targets with seven last week. This is their optimal three receiver configuration. Devin Funchess, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. I mean, you have a lot of, a lot of talent there really. Uh, And you have, you know, your big bodied receiver. You have two guys who can, uh, you know, who are really, really explosive uh, as complimentary pass catchers. Uh, Greg Olson against Seattle. Greg Olson has just been scoring a lot of touchdowns. You know, and, and since he came back, he's a five, he's a top five fantasy tight end. Um, you know, this is the weakest position in fantasy. Don't really need to think any any past that. We can move on to the next one. Let's get to the Battle of Ohio, Evan. It's the Browns and the Bengals. AJ Green tentatively due back. Uh, haven't heard anything since the report from Josina Anderson of ESPN that. Uh, A.J. Green was likely to return. She reported that three days ago now. I believe it was, it was on Sunday. Um, 
Sunday, like in the afternoon. Haven't heard anything since then, uh, but we will find out a little bit. Uh, they they thought that he had a chance to play last week, even though he was listed as doubtful. Uh, so that would bode well, bode well for his chances, and that would elevate the stock of Andy Dalton as like a you know, low end streamer, uh, but a starter in two quarterback leagues. Um, the Browns had given up some big games to quarterbacks uh, entering their bye. They're now coming off their bye and, and should be healthy. That's your concern, really, uh, for the Bengals' offense. You know, Denzel Ward healthy, Joe Schobert healthy, uh, Marius Randall. You know, all these guys that had battled injuries that you know had been overworked because um, I mean the, this team played four overtime games and by far their defense had played the most snaps of any team in the NFL entering their bye. So that was a very, very much needed respite for the Browns. Now facing uh, Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, I'm a little bit concerned about him. The matchup is really good. Okay. He's a home favorite, uh, but I'm a little concerned that they're going to give Giovanni Bernard more work because Giovanni Bernard played 47% of the snaps last week is most all season in a game where Joe, Joe Mixon also played uh, six touches Joe Mixon, 15. Um, I think that Joe Mixon is a good season-long start as an RB2, but I, I'm worried that he is not going to be used in that 22 to 25 touch role. Um, you know, his his knee acted up a little bit last week, and um, I don't know, I'm just I'm keeping an eye on him right now. Right now I have him as a mid-range RB2, whereas usually in this situation I'd have him as a, a top, 10 or 12 running back play. Um, Tyler, AJ Green coming back for Tyler Boyd actually might be a good thing. Uh, first of all, it just should make the offense more functional uh, and uh, it should it should free up some stuff for Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is still going to be getting his targets. We did see him get back up in the double, double digits last week. Didn't catch, you know, very many of them. But, you know, when you're the focal point of the offense, the defense is going to make life a little bit more difficult on you. Uh, he did have some clutch catches last week. Uh, set up Joe Mixon's touchdown. CJ Uzoma, you know, gets vultured by Matt Langle last week. And uh, CJ Uzoma has, he's out there a lot. He's just not doing very much, you know, and, uh, with the Browns getting back Joe Schobert, I think that they're going to improve against tight ends. Demarius Randall also makes a difference there. So C.J. Uzoma, not a, a particularly desirable uh, 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 streamer against Cleveland. Uh, on the other side, Browns really started to get their offense rolling uh, since Freddie Kitchens took over as the O.C. Um, Baker Mayfield's balling. You know, he's, he's, he's really playing well over the last two games. Five touchdowns, one interception, 74% completion rate. You know, looking every bit like those Drew Brees comparisons when he was coming out of Oklahoma. Um, Bengals also have given up the most rushing yards per game in the NFL to quarterbacks. Now, and that's even if you pull out Lamar Jackson's 117 yards from last week, they're giving up the, the fifth most uh, quarterback rushing yards per game at over 20 and Baker Mayfield certainly is a dangerous scrambler. Uh, he's just, he wakes up and he's dangerous, uh, in the backfield, Nick Chubb <laughs> and Duke Johnson. Uh, they are, are both solid plays. Nick Chubb, 20 plus touches in three straight games facing this terrible Bengals defense. 
Um, you know, Bengals defense, they had to fire their defensive coordinator. Didn't help. You know, di- really didn't help. And, you know, Gus Edwards goes off on them. You know, there's really no even threat of a, of a passing game uh, for, for the Ravens last week. And the Bengals really still couldn't couldn't stop them. Knew, knew exactly what was coming and couldn't stop it. You know, and, and that's, that's an issue. Um, I think that Baker Mayfield is a solid streamer. Uh, I, I'm not sure who you'd play him with. You could actually play him with Chubb and or Duke, uh, Duke Johnson. Uh, the Bengals have given up the six most re- uh, reception receiving yards to opposing running backs. That bodes well for Duke. Chubb is the workhorse in a great matchup. Jarvis Landry, 50 yards or fewer in three of his last four. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure what to say here. Uh, Baker Mayfield does look downfield uh, a lot, and Jarvis Landry is a slot receiver. Uh and, you know, since Freddie Kitchens took over, Jarvis Landry's target totals are 6-6. Six and six. Uh, That's that's not a lot. So until he picks it up, I think we downgrade him to a wide receiver three. We do lean toward playing him against Cincinnati, though. Um, you know, so I think he would be like a high-end wide receiver three. Uh, and then Antonio Callaway, you know, Damian Ratley, Brashad Perryman is playing a bunch of snaps for the Browns. Uh, Rashard Higgins, all these guys are, are, are like in the mix and that makes it difficult to really try to rely on any of them. Antonio Callaway does play the most and runs the most routes, uh, but Perryman has been getting more air yards and targets than uh, Antonio Callaway since Freddie Kitchens took over. David Njoku, I think is going to be fine. He's been a little disappointing. Uh, lately the, the game, he had a a game where he did not catch any passes. He'd actually got zero targets, came back the next week had over 50 yards and then went back in the tank the following week for 18 yards. It was just a game that was dominated so much by Nick Chubb, by Duke Johnson. You know, no one really had big receiving days uh, in that game against Atlanta. And so, you know, it's hard to hold that against David Njoku. He, he does have over 50 yards and or a touchdown in five of Baker Mayfield's seven starts. Uh, and the Bengals are, are a great team to attack with tight ends because their linebacker play is so bad. We can move on to the next one. Okay, it's the Patriots and the Jets. A lot of injury situations here um, make the game a little bit difficult to talk about. I don't know if Darnold is going to be back. Do you have any read on that, Ross? Sam Darnold, is he going to be back this week? I don't think so. Uh, You know, when I see isn't ruling it out, that usually means no. And I think that they, you know, they're just trying to put that out there so that they get, you know, a little confusion for the Patriots. I think that, though, my guess would be that they would really err on the side of caution with their number three overall pick in a lost season like this. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, their, their coaches, you know, he's, I, I, I'm surprised they didn't fire him during the bye. I mean, that showing in the game against Buffalo, that, that might've been the worst all year. I mean, at home against Buffalo and you, you get curb stomped like that, that was, that was awful. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised that, that you know, no no heads rolled there. That, that was really, really bad. 
Um, I, you know, we don't know about uh, Robbie Anderson either. Uh, so, geez, I, I don't know what to say here about the Jets. We, we, we need to wait for an injury report. Um, Patriots. I think that, yeah, M- Michelle played uh, against the Titans, did not play well. And really, there have been games this year where, like, them trying to give the ball to Sony Michelle has been, has hurt the team. Uh, and I would say that that was one of the games. I mean, they, they got themselves in a hole. Um, just trying to, you know, execute these run plays in predictable run looks. Sony Michelle faces a lot of eight-man boxes uh, because when he's in the game, teams know that the run is coming. And, you know, I don't know, man. It's just – it does make sense that, that he would, you know, come back and uh, – potentially have a big day against the Jets. Jets have not been good in run defense, and this is a game where the Patriots are pretty big favorites and should control the game. But we haven't seen it in a while for for, for uh, Sony Michelle. He's been dealing with knee injuries on and off since the Patriots drafted him. Uh, he's just a real risky flex play. Um, Patriots need to, need to come out of the gates, like, rolling here. They, they need to come out of their bye – with a big statement win. Um, and I think that James White is the best option in the backfield for them to do that with. Uh, by the way, Rex Burkhead is eligible to return in week 13. Um, keep an eye on him, his practice status. Uh, I think that he's worth picking up in most leagues. Uh, Tom Brady, as you know, the big difference maker for him has been Gronk. He's had some big games when Gronk has been in there. When Gronk has not been in there, he has not had big games. Uh, Julian Edelman, he should be good to go. I mean, no, no one can cover him in the slot for the Jets. That's been a great place to attack all season. Uh, I don't think anybody can cover Josh Gordon on the outside uh, either. They've been really trying to push the ball to him, sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. Uh, but the targets, the air yards, the usage, you know, the snaps, the, the routes, they've all been there. For Josh Gordon, I think you keep rolling with him. He's not a wide receiver one, you know, which he theoretically has the upside to be. Uh, but he is a wide receiver two slash three. Uh, I'm playing him over anybody like like Allen Robinson or anybody like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean that that pretty much takes care of that game. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Okay, next one. I will be there. It's the New York Giants who have gotten it going on offense last couple weeks against the Philadelphia Eagles who are really struggling on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the Eagles, man. I mean, I thought that they were going to come out of there by and, you know, kind of kind of kind of get rolling and finish real strong in this very winnable NFC East. And you know, the the NFC East is still very much on the table. I mean, the Redskins are number one at six and four, and they just lost their quarterback, and they've lost you know sixty percent of their offensive line. Uh, and then you know second place is the Cowboys, who they've had to you know come back from uh, two two uh, road upset wins just to get to five and five. They're still not very reliable. So hey, you know the Eagles at four and six. I mean they're in it. They're in it, even though it it, seem, it feels like it's over. Uh, just having that watched them play the last couple of weeks, but this is a huge game for them. I mean, 
And I feel like we've said that the last couple of weeks, but this is huge. You, you cannot blow this. You're in a really bad position. You know, no question. Like you're, the backups to the backups are getting hurt in the Eagle secondary at this point. And you don't, you don't have anybody that can cover Odell. You know, you, you're, you're definitely concerned. And you, don't, you couldn't tackle Saquon Barkley when you played him in week six. You know, you could not tackle him. He had 230 total yards in that game. You know, so this is actually a game that the Giants can win. And the Giants, shoot, if they win this, they're four and seven. You know, so, um, and, they, and they would love to win this. You know, they're probably feeling a little confident. They've got a couple of new offensive linemen in there, Spencer Pulley and uh, Jamon Brown out to save the season for the Giants. The Giants, their, their offensive line has looked better the last couple of weeks. You know, it's still like all, all you, like you, you just, you flick Eli Manning and he, and he, and he goes down for a sack, but. Uh, the protection has been better if you watch the games, and uh, they have had a shakeup on the offensive line. They've also faced the Buccaneers and the 49ers, who are both bottom eight pass rush teams. Now they're facing the Eagles, who have a lot more talent up front. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that you start Odell with confidence. I think that you start Sterling Shepard with confidence. He did not have a big game last week against Tampa Bay. He did have a big game pulled off the board uh, due to a penalty, uh, but I think you go right back to him. Evan Ingram did have a big gain of 54 late in the game. He ran eight routes in the game, played 32% of the snaps. They have played Evan Ingram less lately because he can't block. Um, that's a concern. Certainly Shepard, I think, is not as much of a concern, uh, and I think that you can start him uh, confidently. Of course, Saquon. Uh, Eli is, you know, again, back in that very much fringy position. He hasn't had upside games at all this year. He has had some decent games, um, and, and that's what you're dealing with. The matchup is good. I mean, you know, the the Eagles' secondary is just just it's it's like someone hit delete on the Eagles' secondary, and they're playing with guys that you know a lot of people like you know probably haven't heard of um, on the Eagles' side. You know, Wentz and Ertz have got to get this rolling. Uh, and I think that they will in this game. Um, I know it was really, really bad last week. But, you know, they, they have been playing well before that. Um, and they go back home now. Uh, and then uh, Alshon Jeffrey going to get a lot of Janoris Jenkins. who he, he can't cover anyone. He's allowed seven touchdowns this season. Second most yards among all cornerbacks. Uh, Mike Evans dusted him last week, and I think that Alshon Jeffrey will do the same. Uh, so they finally moved Golden Tate into the full-time slot role uh, last week against the Saints. He led the team in targets and receiving. You know, not that that translated to much, but I think that you can use him now as a wide receiver three. Nelson Aguilar moved outside, zero catches. He's not an outside receiver. This trade is not going well for the Eagles. I mean – it hasn't gone well for the Lions either. It's like a lose-lose trade. Um, at least the Lions get a, a third-round pick next year. Uh, but, I mean, it is translated to less playing time for Dallas Goddard, who has been one of their most efficient players. Good blocker, you know, good receiver. Their 12 personnel package 
has was one of the most effective personnel packages in the league. And, you know, now they're using that less. It's like the front office and the coaching staff are not on the same page. Like the front office just felt like it was, it had to make a move of some kind. And now the Eagles coaching staff feels compelled to, you know, have to jam in golden Tate at the expense of their own offensive production. That's, that's problematic. Uh, Josh Adams has been talking about him for weeks. Uh, Got to pick him up. Uh, you know, it's probably a little late now, uh, but this is a really good spot for him. Uh, they started to use him in the passing game last week. It didn't necessarily go well, but, hey, I will take six targets. Uh, you know, I'll take 16 routes run from him. Uh, he, he was the only source of offense against the Saints with that big r- touchdown run early on. And then, of course, they had to move away from him. Couldn't hang on to the ball, fell behind. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be doing that in this game. And Giants are not a fearsome run defense by any means. Josh Adams, solid RB2. We can move on to the next one. Next one is the last one here in Episode 1, the last of the Sunday 1 o'clock games. It's the Niners and Nick Mullins against the Bucks, who are going back to famous Jameis, <laughs> kind of a kind of a, a sneaky fun one here. You know, Jameis can light it up, but I think that the play in this game is actually Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, so Jameis Winston is likely to throw multiple uh, interceptions in the first half. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes off the bench, leads the Buccaneers to a near comeback loss uh, with four touchdowns. Uh, so. You know, I know he's not starting, but I think you got to play Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game. Peyton Barber as a home favorite uh, playing against the 49ers. 49ers have actually been all right in run defense, uh, but Peyton Barber, I was worried about his ankle entering last week's game. He, he uh, really took back the, uh, the full-time back reins from Jacquez Rogers uh, and uh, he is. I think he's a good bet for 18 plus, plus touches as a home favorite against San Francisco. Not going to catch passes. Does not have a great floor to give you upside. He's going to need to score a touchdown. Um, but you know, this is one of the best situations that that he's going to get. Peyton Barber uh, as a low end RB two, high end flex play against the Niners. Uh, uh, Jameis comes back in last week and. Uh, Mike Evans comes back to life. He did luck out with a, um, a fumble recovery touchdown, uh, but Jameis hit, hit him for a long touchdown bomb. Love to see that. Mike Evans runs most of his routes uh, away from Richard Sherman's side of the field. Richard Sherman lines up at left corner 98% of the time, uh, and Mike Evans usually lines up elsewhere on the field. Actually, Djax gets most of the routes uh, in Rich, uh, Richard Sherman's direction. Um, but Mike Evans, that means a lot of Akello Witherspoon, and that's a great matchup for any wide receiver. Akello Witherspoon is a guy to attack week in and week out. Um, OJ Howard out for the season. Hate to see that, man. He is, he's a beast and he's got a great career uh, left ahead. If he can, um, if he can, uh, figure out how to stay healthy, you know, uh, last, this will be his second straight season finished on injured reserve due to uh, sort of like leg ankle injuries. Um, you know, I went back and looked at the statistics when O.J. Howard has been out for Cameron Brait. Not real impressive, man. 
not real impressive. Uh, I think the Cameron Brait is viable, uh, but he's really a touchdown or bus guy against San Francisco. Um, Djax, you know, even though he's going to get most of his routes at Richard Sherman, that still only means about 45% of them uh, and 55% away from him. So you, you know the deal every week with Deshaun Jackson. It never changes. doesn't really matter who's a quarterback either. Uh, he is a splash play dependent, low volume uh, wide receiver option, wide receiver three. Uh, same d- deal for Chris Godwin. You know, not, not, not the same type of player, but in terms of their, their, uh, you know, their, their end result production, uh, very similar. I mean, they they rotate, so you know they're not even full time receivers. Uh, Adam Humphreys he got back going with Jameis in there last week. Still not a guy that I, I ever feel real comfortable playing. But um, you know when Jameis has been in there, he's been a, a wide receiver four, really with wide receiver two upside, um, and he runs more routes than Djax or Chris Godwin. On the other side, Nick, Nick Mullins. This is the best. Uh, matchup that he is going to get, uh, you know, at least since the Raiders. And uh, I think that he is a, a two quarterback league starter. I do get c- concerned about these guys that, you know, they started, they start to show signs of, um, you know, not like going on the downward trajectory. Uh, and I think that Nick Mullen started to show that in his last game, uh, CJ, that happened to CJ Beathard as well. You know, like if Nick Mullins struggles, we might see C.J. Beathard in the game. So that's your risk with Nick Mullins. The matchup is good. Um, you know, the forty. This is the forty. The healthiest that we're going to get the 49ers for a long time. They've been a pretty beat up team. Um, Matt Breida rolled against the Giants on that Monday night uh, in Week Ten. Uh, over 130 total yards, 20 touches. Looked healthy. Two touchdowns. Then he had the buy to get over what you know what whatever was still ailing him from that those high ankle sprains that he suffered early in the season. He should roll in this game. Buccaneers are depleted in the linebacker core, uh, giving up over five yards per carry over their last three games to opposing running backs, giving up a ton of production in the passing game. Uh, so Matt Breida lock him, lock him in uh, as a high upside RB two. Don't know if Pierre Garçon is going to be back. Um, Just a mishmash of receivers in San Francisco. Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, Richie James. Dante Pettis got six targets in the last game and only had 12 yards. Um, Marquise Goodwin, you know, I think that he is a a real strong play here against Tampa Bay. Um, This is a great defense to attack with deep threats. Uh, George Kittle, stud. I mean, all right, so Nick Mullins has targeted him 14 times. How about 13 catches for almost 200 yards and a touchdown? George Kittle, top three NFL tight end right there with Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. And we're done here. Fantastic stuff as always, Mr. Silva. Cannot wait to break down the Sunday late games, the Sunday nighter, the Monday nighter. But that was a massive Thanksgiving quality edition of the feast, the show that's so nice we do it twice. And I think you guys already know this, but some people only like to bet certain days of the year. And I know for a lot of people, it's Thanksgiving because you're around family. You may or may not love that. 
you like to make the games a little more interesting, go ahead and go to betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts. There's all kinds of college football games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, NFL games Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It is the best weekend of the year in terms of football options for three days straight. And you can bet on all of them at betonline.ag. The key, though, is to use the code PODCAST1 so that you get that 50% welcome bonus and so that the next time I win the Podcast 1 Sportsnet Challenge, you can tweet me your account number and maybe even get that fifty per, that, that $100 credited in your account. Other than that, I'm stuffed, but I did save room for dessert, which is episode two, which we will record now and put in your podcast app shortly after midnight. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.